Well, it's so good to be here tonight and uh, welcome to those who are online uh, watching, uh, FC Local, and for those who are live in the room as well. It's just great to have our first meeting um, in a year. And uh, we just want to thank you for coming out tonight. Um, if you can just give an applause, people will know that you're here. No cheering allowed. <laughs> but it is so good to have you here tonight. And uh, we are starting a new subject of thought uh, right across the board. Each of the pastors is uh, speaking um, on the same subject, but it's going to be individually shared from each pastor's heart. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the subject of the believer's toolbox. And um, I was so tempted tonight to have a table out here with all my uh, power tools and all the rest of it, but that's going to come in the next couple of weeks. Uh, because tonight, really, I wanted to really focus first on the first step of what it looks like and feels like um, in the believer's tool, uh, toolbox or walking with the gifts of the Spirit active in our life. What does it mean? What does it, what's the experience that we're looking for? What is it that we're believing God for when it comes down to believing to walk in the gifts of the Spirit and the life of the believer. And uh, tonight, as I share these thoughts and as I share over the next few weeks, I trust that we will capture hold, not of a spiritual concept, but of a spiritual reality, something that is so real, so true about our lives um, that perhaps we've missed it or we've not fully understood it. But when we grasp it, it will literally change our life forever. What we do need to remember is that every gift, everything that we've ever received or been given is a gift from God. It is given by grace. It's not something that you've earned or attained or you've worked for and you've suddenly got to the place where you, you've managed to, to achieve these things on your own merit. Actually, everything that we have in life is through the gift of God or through his grace that's been given to us. And this word, grace in the Greek, is charis or charis, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It is the loving kindness or benevolent love of God that is outworked and expressed toward us, his children. And it's, it's, it's free, it's given, it's bestowed upon us. And I love the fact of God's grace. And if you look at all the doctrines of the Bible, really the doctrine of grace, understanding the grace of God is the greatest thing that you and I could ever really understand. Because it's that, that gift of God that is given to us and then outworked in our lives. And what, what does the, you know, we've all perhaps heard the expression of what grace is. It's unmerited, undeserved, free, unmerited favor. Um, but I've just got some thoughts here. It is his unmerited divine assistance. When we talk about God's grace, it is his unmerited divine assistance in our life. It is his supernatural, unearned favor in our life, working through us, working through others in different situations. But, but ultimately, it is his supernatural, unearned favor that comes upon our life. It is his undeserved kindness, the kindness of God, the, the loving kindness that he pours out over our life. We don't deserve that loving kindness, but because of grace, he's pouring it into our life. 
It's his unexplainable goodness flowing in our day-to-day lives. You know, those moments when you just don't understand it, you scratch your head moment, you think, why did that happen to me? Why did that happen into our life? His unexplainable goodness in our lives. It's his unfathomable love that surrounds us. You know, we, we, we can't, you know, no matter how much we read his word, how many hours we may be on our knees praying, we cannot, we cannot get the unfathomable love of God. We can't earn it. We can't achieve it. His love is beyond natural comprehension. And yet he says it's, it's deeper, it's higher, it's wider, it's, it's, it's more expansive than you can ever imagine and, and that love is towards you and I. Before we were worthy of anything, he says that he gave his son that he would die on our behalf even when we were unworthy. And yet it is the unfathomable love that he has towards you as an individual. Not because you're a part of the church that I oversee here, Gospel and Bridgery. It's not because of, it's, it's because he loves you. He loves your life. He loves your journey. He cares and loves you so um, and incredibly much. It's his indescribable greatness. You know, when, when you look at the Bible and you look perhaps at Psalm 8 and, and you begin to wonder about the, the universe and the wonders and the expanse of the universe, and yet it's an indescribable greatness of our God. You know, I, it's, we, there is no words that can begin to really... In English, I could probably speak in tongues for the next two weeks, and that may show you some of the indescribable greatness of God, but none of you will probably understand what I'm saying, so that won't be of any benefit for you. There is his uncontrollable power. His power is, you know, we think we can control God and, and put him in a box and, 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 and squish him into somewhere and say, well, we'll, we'll let God come out on a Sunday for a, for a two-hour moment or on a Sunday night. But his, his power is, is an uncontrollable power that only he has power over. We don't have power over his power. His power is, is, is literally an uncontrollable power that reaches beyond our understanding and comprehension. No wonder when we, we sing songs about his amazing grace. No wonder amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What, what is it that, about God that caused him to come looking for your life and mine? What is it that caused him? It was love. It was grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But his grace was poured out into our life so that he would cause us to be children of God. God's grace causes us to reap where we did not sow. Isn't that amazing? You know, very often we say, well, you, you, you reap what you sow. Well, no, God's grace says that you reap even when you didn't sow. That's the wonder of God's grace. I've got a scripture to back that one, that one up. I, I was sitting there as I was thinking and pondering. I think, is that right, Lord? Can we reap where we didn't even sow? Can we, is it possible? But it says this in, Roman, uh, in, in John chapter 4, verse 38. I have sent you out to the harvest field. Sorry, I have sent you out to harvest a field that you have not planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. 
If that's not grace speaking, if that's not God's power speaking over our life, there are things that we should be reaping in our life that we never sowed for. Things that we can see come to pass in our life that we never expected. Why? Because of God's grace. His grace promotes us and opens doors when we're not even qualified. I'm thinking, you know, specifically during um, the lockdown, I think it was the the first lockdown, one of the um, pastors, Chris, uh, from Waterlooville, he, he, he lost his, the contract, I think it was before lockdown, lost his contract um, of, of the job that we, he was in. And they were finding it really difficult and to try and get the type of job that he does in this environment is just not possible. Um, but God. And um, he was believing God. They, they got to a point things are really financially desperate for them. And suddenly, out of nowhere, a job was offered to him that he was not qualified, a door opened that he didn't knock, and and God opened something that was miraculous. And he's been training to do the job now for the last three, four months of a job that he's never done, and yet it's, it's, it's a highly qualified position. What is that? That's God's grace being poured out in a situation that you never knocked a door for. But God... He got the job, he was offered an interview before he looked and seen what the job was. They offered him an interview and he hadn't even seen the job. Um, I don't know quite how that worked out and ask Pastor Chris next time you see him. But it's incredible. His grace takes us to places that we never thought we would go. His grace is, is all-compassing in our life. If we don't understand grace, we don't understand God because he is a God of grace the spirit of grace i believe the spirit of grace in our lives will pour out unmerited undeserved unearned unthought about unexplainable favor into every area of our life as we open our heart as we allow him access to all areas of our life we've got to be in that place where we're saying lord pour pour your grace expecting his grace to be poured out in our life It's the spiritual key. Grace is the spiritual key to understanding our Christian walk. If you want to understand your Christian walk better, understand grace. If you you think by reading the word for many hours a day is going to cause you a few extra brownie points, it's not. Wearing out your knees so that at 30 your knees are creaking because you've been on your knees all the time trying to find favour with God. That's not the way to do it. It is free. Is unmerited, is undeserved. The reason why we're on our knees at 30 and wearing them out is because of his amazing grace. That we want to be in his word. We want to be in prayer. We want to be in a place of worship. It's because of who he is that we do these things out of a desire and out of a love. Understanding grace is so important. Paul, in his third pastoral letter, uh, not written to Timothy, he was written to Titus, who was a young pastor, who was, who was in charge of the church in Crete, said this about grace, and it's beautiful. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, it says, God's marvelous grace has been manifest in person. God's marvelous grace has been manifested in person we know that person to be Jesus Christ bringing salvation 
to everyone. In verse 12 it says, this same grace teaches us how to live each day. See, if you don't understand grace, you won't understand how you're meant to live in this world. You won't know how you're meant to live as a Christian individual. If you don't understand grace, you won't get your walk with God. This same grace teaches us how to live each day. As we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. The Bible was written for this present age. It was written for our today. It may have been written 2,000 years ago, but as relevant as it was then, it is relevant to us today. For we continue to look forward to the joy of our hope in our drawing splendor of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people who are his very own. Listen to this. Passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. That is what you and I have been called to do. We have been called to do that which is passionate in his eyes. What has God got, God got a passion for? He's got a passion for the lost. Oh, he desires that none be lost and that all would come to a knowledge of the truth. He has a passion for his church. That I, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He has a passion for you as an individual. And his passion, he said, he said that these people, those that I've called my very own, they will do what is passionate. They will do what is beautiful in my eyes. I believe this passage speaks about the saving grace of God, but also it teaches us how to live our life by the grace of God in this corrupt, immoral, impure, fallen generation of a world. You know, spiritual growth doesn't just happen. Spiritual growth happens when we take the bread of life, the word of God, for some, it's the milk of God's word, and we feast on the milk. But at some point in our lives, we've got to start feasting on the meat of God's word, the depths of what he wants and desires in our life. We can't continue to be wishy-washy in our Christian experience. We've got to be all in. You know, It's not one foot in and one foot out. It's like the okey-cokey and shake it all about. No, we've got to be all in. It's either we might as well all be in or all be out. But there's one thing that God hates more than an in or out, and that's a wishy-washy, lukewarm Christian. And I believe he's looking for a generation today that is so all in, that is so all passionate for him, so that they give their lives away to live for him. Listen to this. This is what Peter said to the church. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, But grow in grace. We've got to grow up, we've got to grow in the knowledge of grace, undeserved favor, spiritual strength, and recognition and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Messiah. To him be the glory, majesty, and splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. But grow in grace. I wonder how many people in the church 
during this, this last year have grown in the grace of God. They've grown and matured in their faith. I wonder how many of us have, have struggled and, 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 and doubted and, 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 and put, it, put the word to the side and, and just didn't know what to do with our Christian life. And, and there's all these compromises and all these doubts and all these concerns. But the Bible says grow. This is the time to grow, mature in your faith, strengthen yourself in the things of God. As the church, we've got to be strengthening ourselves. We can't rely on a pastor to be your strength. This is where, it, this, I guess if there was ever a year when the rubber hit the road about our, the genuineness of our Christian faith, it's this year. It's this year where we say, no, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by the circumstances that are around us. I'm not moved by the fact that I, I cannot go to church. I can't meet with the brothers. I can't do this. I'm not moved by those things. I'm grounded in the truth. I'm founded on the truth. I'm allowing the truth to be my, my central, my compass point, my direction. I'm not, I don't have to be led by someone else. God is my strength. And then when the moment comes when the doors open... There's, there's a charge. Why? Because we want to be with each other. We want the gathering together and the fellowship that we can have and the worship that we can have. I believe it's so important. I, I, I hope by next week, the week after or the week after, there is a list so long that we can't fit everyone in and we have to road to you every two or three weeks so that you can get the church once a month until things fully open. I want there to be such a desire that we're in the house of God. I, I don't know about you, but I loved worship tonight. You know, the, the, the loudest voice other than those on the team was the person to my right. <laughs> but you may have to be a little quieter. But it's great that we're in the house of God. It's great that we're here. Grace transforms us. With that moment when you encountered Jesus Christ for the first... I can't walk away too far. I'm a wanderer. When I preach, that moment that you encountered God when you got saved, grace filled you. It empowered you. It overwhelmed you. Those moments when you perhaps shed tears again for the first time as the waves of God's love filled you. Grace will transform. It will transform our motives. It will transform our behaviours. It will transform what our desires in this life are. And, and, and as we yield to him, as we yield to who he is in our life, do you know what? His presence, his presence, we sang about it tonight. Oh, his presence will fill us like wave after wave of glory. I don't know about you, but hey, that's... I could just get lost in the time of worship in my own office. That's what I do on a Sunday night before I come and preach on, 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 online. I'm in my office for an hour and I'm worshipping. And I'm entering the presence of God without a mask. I can make as much noise as I like. And my neighbours, it's up to them what they do outside. But I'm just, I've just got the sound up, the, the volume up, the speakers are going. And I'm declaring and shouting as much as I like. Why? Because I love the presence of God. And I know that in me and my, my own little room, or me in the room where we've gathered tonight, he's the same God who shows up, turns up, and transforms lives. 
God's grace empowers every thought when it's submitted to him. His grace will transform your behaviour as it's submitted to him. Consider these thoughts in the light of God's grace. Consider this, our Christian identity. 1 Corinthians, I'm going to run through these very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That's our identity. I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, our, our standing before God, Romans chapter 5, verse 2. This grace in which we stand. Our holiness, 2 Timothy 1, 9. God called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose and grace. Our spiritual strength for living. 2 Timothy 2.1, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, our way of speaking, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, verse 6, let your speech always be seasoned with grace. Our serving, 1 Peter 4, verse 10, serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Our sufficiency, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards us so that we have all sufficiency in all things at all times that it may abound to every good work. By grace, by grace, by grace, we have been saved. Not of yourselves, but through the gift of God. God's grace is the one that empowers and saves and delivers and empowers. But we've got we to gotta submit to his grace. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. It's um, um, un, unfree, unmerited, undeserved favour of God. And it, it touches every area of our life. You think of one area, it's one spiritual aspect of your Christianity and grace hits it all. Therefore, as believers, we must know our spiritual position. We must know who we are. We must know our calling. We must know the gifting. We must know what it is, that the purpose for which God has called us, the place which God has called us. We must know what it is because then his grace will begin to pour out in the area when we're walking where he wants us to be. We've been saved by grace, filled by the spirit of grace, empowered by grace, and then we're made to operate the gifts of the spirit by grace. You know, you, you don't suddenly become mature enough to handle the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts. Of, you, you don't suddenly, oh, I've been walking with God for 20 years. I feel like I've matured in my Christian faith. Therefore, God's going to give me the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't happen like that. They are grace gifts to our lives. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read about these gifts. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through to verse 8. God's marvellous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. I love the way in which it puts this. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith 
that you have to prophesy. <coughs> I'm getting too excited and I'm getting too dry. I'm not used to having people in the room. <coughs> if your grace, if your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If your grace gift is teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift, I love the way it keeps prefacing, the grace gift, the grace gift. They are all grace gifts given to us. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then make uh, then, may, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. That is just such an amazing way of describing us. He's given us these grace gifts. Freely you have received. Now freely give. Freely that we've been given. Not earned, not merited, given. Now freely give. The gifts of the Spirit and the callings are grace gifts to our life. And because they are grace gifts, none of us can boast. None of us can be prideful. Well, I operated in the gifts of the Spirit and healings happen. No, not through you. It's the gift of God placed upon your life. Oh, I, I gave someone a word of knowledge and it came to pass. No, God gave you a word of knowledge and you bet it came to pass. Because anything that God gives will come to pass. Anything that is man, you know, it may come to pass, but the likelihood is it will fall to the ground. But when it's given by God, it will absolutely come to pass. And I believe these spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts of God do not replace the power of his word, but they complement his word. It takes what is the logos of God's word and causes it to be the rhema, the living word. You know, you can read, anyone can read the word of God. Any, any one of our neighbours around here can read the word of God, but it will just stay as words on a page and as the logos, the written word. But when the Spirit of God illuminates or becomes revelation knowledge, which is done by the Spirit of God enlightening our understanding, it becomes the living word to our heart. And when the living word becomes so alive on the inside of us, I tell you what, it becomes the most powerful book in the whole world. And every one of us, you've got the most powerful book in the world. Why? Because it, when it becomes alive, a living word, it transforms everything. Mountains can be moved. Sicknesses can be delivered. Spirits can be, can be, can be removed from people's eyes. There is nothing, the Bible says, Jesus turned around and said, nothing will be impossible to you who believe in me. When the spirit is alive on the inside. The word of God, I believe, will flourish in our heart and in our community when it becomes alive in the hearts of the church. You know, tonight you may never have received the Holy Spirit in your life. You may never have received that inflowing and the outpouring of God in your life. I want to share this scripture with you because I believe it's really powerful. In Acts chapter 2, 
verse 17. It says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's something I believe unique in this because I believe that, yes, we are in the last days. How close to those last days, I don't know. But we're definitely closer to the last days than when the Holy Spirit first came. And if you look at the signs and the times, we are much closer to the end times than what some Christians think, or else they would get their life in order. And we're so closer to the end times than the world thinks, or else there'd be multitudes turning to God. But I do believe that we're in these last days where the Spirit, the Spirit of God will begin to be poured out upon all flesh. And I believe God is seeking those who are hungry for him. Those who have a heart that is open to him. Those that will stand in surrender. You know, like I've often said, if someone came at you with a gun right now, you'd all, we'd all be in surrender. That's what it is, just surrendering to God and allow him to come and fill us with the things of the Spirit. I believe this is a wonderful promise. And that promise is to everybody in this room and everybody listening online. Not because we're good enough. Not because we've attained something great. Not because we've got the status of a Christian for many years. The key to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is to ask him. Simply to ask. Simply to come before him and bow the knee and say, Father, I believe that there is a promise that is for me. I believe that there is a promise of your spirit to come and fill my life anew. We're not asking for something that he's reluctant to give. We're not asking for something that perhaps he wants to, but you're not quite ready. There's, no, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says you're not quite ready. The believers on the day of Pentecost, they, they were heathen one moment, they get saved the next moment, and they're baptized in water the next moment, and then they're speaking in tongues and filled with the Spirit of God and doing incredible wonders for God the next minute. There wasn't time for them to say, well, you've got to be saved for 10 years before you receive. There was something so powerful. In Luke chapter 11, we read these words. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, <clears throat> how much more will the perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? How much more would the Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness? Not a part, not a portion, not a little diddab, the fullness. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we don't receive a portion or a bit or a, a, a gift. We receive him in his fullness. Of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Tonight, you may be here thinking, I, I don't know, I, I thought I only received a gift or I only received the, the fruit or I only received a part or I, I only received Jesus when I got saved. There is so much more for us to receive and grow in the knowledge of God. I'm just going to bring this to a close. I'm conscious we are still online. Second, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you collectively are the body of Christ and individually you are members of it 
with his own special purpose and function. You and I, we have a purpose and a function. We all complement each other when we come together. When you're not here, the body of Christ suffers. When we're here together, we begin the function as we should do. That is how important church really is. And that's why not forsaking the the assembly of ourselves together is so important. And I want to close with, with this last scripture. Why? Because it talks about the Godhead. There are some who perhaps have only received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior when they got saved. There's some that may have only recognized God the Father. He loved me and gave his life for me. But there is the Spirit of God who wants to indwell you and live inside you and empower and equip, lead and guide and direct. Pastor Andy mentioned this this morning. And it talks about the Godhead in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, when, it, when you talk about the word God in, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, it is Elohim, which is the plurality of God. It is the, the Godhead in three. When God's, God was there, God said, and, and we know that the word became flesh and Jesus dwelt amongst us. Jesus is the word of God and the spirit of God hovered upon the face of the earth. All there in Genesis chapter 1. And here, Paul, speaking to the Corinthian church, says this. Now, may the grace of our, uh, sorry, may the grace and joyous favour of the Lord Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate fellowship and precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit, be yours continually. Amen. What a great way to finish a Sunday evening meeting. Now may the joyous, the grace and the joyous favour of the Lord Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship and precious communion we share in the Holy Spirit, be yours. It's, it's an impartation. Paul's just not making it a nice way to finish a, a, a letter that he's writing. He, this is an impartation. Be yours. Be yours. Be yours. And, and it's the power of God. When Paul spoke, he spoke with power. It was, it was demonstration and power. So when he spoke, be yours. He, it, it was a, it was, it, it, ah, ah. it's like when we lay hands on someone and it's those jump leads, the spiritual jump leads that hit a person's life. It, it was that kind of impartation. Bang, it's yours. Richard, bang, be yours. Be yours, Rene. Be yours, John. And, and, and it was that power of God being released through his words. And this is so powerful. And I believe that the word of God to our life tonight is, I want to be filled and I want to be used and I want to be everything he wants me to be. But I know I can't achieve it on my own. I know I can't earn it. I know I can't... Uh, grow to such a level that that I'm freely walking in it. No, I just bow the knee and I say, Father, by grace, I have been saved. Father, by grace, I've been empowered. Father, by grace, use me to touch the lives of others. Use me by giving me the gifts of the Spirit so that I may use them as you will in my life. So tonight, you may be here or you may be at home. And you've never asked or received the gift or the person 
of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I want to give you the opportunity tonight, whether you're here or at home, to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we're going to pray. And, and I'm going to ask everyone here, if you just bow your head, close your eyes, and if you've never received the Holy Spirit, just to raise your hand. Or if you're here tonight and you say, I want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in my life, just pop up your hand as well. And if you're at home and you're watching right now and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you just to engage in this moment and receive the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. Is there anybody in this room and you've never received the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to pray. Thank you. Anybody else in the room, you say, yeah, I want the, I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want the gifts. I want the gift. We're going to pray right now for everyone. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the impartation of your spirit upon our life. Lord, you said that if anyone comes to me and thirsts, I will pour out my spirit like living water. And I pray tonight, Lord, that the fountains of heaven will be released over people's lives. Lord, that they would receive of your fullness. Holy Spirit, come in power and manifest in their lives, I pray. Lord, I pray, baptize with the power of your presence. Lord, with the gifts of your spirit. Lord, that we would be filled, filled with you this night. Filled with your presence. Lord, in this room right now, there is a presence. The presence of God is here. And I pray right now, wherever these people may be at home, Lord, that the presence of God is filling their homes. Father, in this place, you are here. And Father, I pray each one will just drink. Lord, just drink of the, of the well of life. Lord, and right now, may we just drink of you. Drink of that new wine, that wine that you pour out. Lord, may that new wine fill new wineskins, Lord, tonight. Lord, fill us afresh. Fill us anew, I pray. Oh, let your Holy Spirit come right now. Lord, let it come right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you into our homes, into our hearts, into this place. Lord, may we be filled with you. The third person of the Trinity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just going to share this one last thing. May the grace and joyous favour of our Lord Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship and precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours. Be yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Wow. Don't forget, come back next week. Sign up. Be a part. We have to go quietly and peaceably. <laughs> and we have to go out that door and out into the car park so that we can keep a one-way system. If you've sat on a chair, or you've rested on a chair, or you've touched a chair, can you just lay it down? That way we know which ones need to be cleaned. That would be brilliant. And we would love to see you next week. I'm sorry, I'd love to go out with more singing. I'd love to go out with more.